I'm Grant Hill. If you have not met me, I'm the associate pastor here at the Garden Gathering Church. It's a good day today. Happy birthday, Grant. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so today um, I want to dive in. And the Lord has been asking us to rise to the occasion. And so whatever that occasion is, he wants us to rise to that occasion with belief, with faith. And that's where it starts. I remember at the Garden Vision Conference, the Lord was talking with me about expansion. And remember, to expand again, you had to believe again. You had to choose to believe again whether that's something that you have put down or something that's just grown wearisome or maybe cold because it's just taking so long, but you have to will. You have to say, I choose to believe. And I choose to believe again. And I choose to believe for more than I did yesterday. That That's a will. That's called the will. And it's in your soul. And it's the one thing that God will not um, trespass is your free will. There is one thing that it is impossible for God to trespass, and that is our free will. He will not ever force us to do something. He is sovereign, and he can use all of our choices for his plan, and he will, he's always tweaking his plan according to our choices. But he has never forced us to do anything. It's a very, very big thing because we're not, we're, you know, un poquito. We are small. And so our minds do not understand how a God is allowing us to choose our fate, choose our lives, but yet he can make his plan work with our choices that are constantly changing. But that's how big God is, that he's not afraid of the 8 billion people's choices to still find his plan and get his son to the earth. He's not afraid. He's not afraid, but he will not force us to choose him. That's the one thing God will not do. And so we have that choice, right? He put Adam and Eve in the garden. And said, you can eat anything except the tree of good and evil. But he did not put a fence around it. He didn't put a bunch of angels around it. He did not force them to obey. I mean, that's the first thing I do. I put my valuables in a lockbox. You put the dangerous stuff where a place where your kids can't get them. That's how we are because we have fallen short of the glory of God. But yet there's 1 Corinthians that keeps coming up. Love never fails. Love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. He does that with us. He believes us. He hopes in us. He trusts us that when we have come repentant to him, we ask for our sins say, God, I'm going to give you all. He says, I believe you. He doesn't have second thoughts. He believes our yes. He believes our yes. Because he's the yes and amen. Amen? 
So when we are called to rise to the occasion, he's going to ask us to have belief. I want to go to Exodus. We're going to read several stories because it's Grant. And we <laughs> read several stories. Yes? This is really echoey, by the way, Colvin. Exodus 3, 9. This is right after Jesus... Or, Yeah, right after Jesus manifests himself to Moses in a burning bush. And we're kind of jumping into the story, but this is where we need to start. Exodus 3, verse 9. All right, you ready? And now, this is God talking, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. And you have to know that God hears... God hears where you've been afflicted and where you've been oppressed. God hears your tears. I know that doesn't make sense, but it's true. He hears your tears. He hears your tears. The cries, or yes, vocal cries, but he hears the cry. There's, in Romans, it talks about how the Spirit of God groans and intercedes with words inexpressible. He hears the tears. He hears the cries. And so this is good news. And he says to Moses, I have heard them. I have heard them. Behold, the cry of my people Israel has come to me, and I have seen with my eyes the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Ten, come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. What's the sign? That I have sent you, and I am with you. Now, does Moses get many other signs? Yes, but that was initially God's heart, is the only sign you need is I am with you. Wow, right? That I have sent you, and when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? All right, before we read, what's the answer? What's, what should they say? The God of who? No, no, don't read. What should be the answer? How has God proclaimed himself to this point? No. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That's the only name that he has presented himself with so far. But that's not who he says. He says, God says to Moses, Yahweh, I am who I am. But if you really understand what's going on here, Moses should have been like, who? That is not a name that God has ever introduced himself with. That is not a name that God has ever introduced himself with. That is totally brand new. That would have been the reaction of the people. If Moses goes to the people of Israel and says, the God of your fathers came to me, and they're like, oh, what's his name? Yahweh. They would have been like, who? Who? 
But yet now, because of the revelation of this book, that is a name they won't even say. The power and the fierceness and the holiness that came with Yahweh, they won't even say. They cover, they cut it out because of how much fear is involved with the name that Moses just got introduced to. Rise to the occasion. Rise to the occasion. Here we are. So 14. Now read ahead. <laughs> God said to Moses, I am who I am, Yahweh. And Moses said, and, and God said, say to, this, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to this people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, wait, ah, here it is, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. He says, I'm not just some random person. I am, has sent me to you, but this is my new name. I am still the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the names that you know. The name of God is not like our names, right? I am Grant. I embody that name. God's name embodies a portion, a fraction of his whole character. You cannot put one name on the entire embodiment in the divine nature of God. And so anytime he presents his name, it's just a portion of what he wants you to know about him. And so when you say he's the God of Abraham, I am the God of a man of faith. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of a man of promise. I'm the God of Jacob. I am a God of a man of redemption from your life of cheating. And those are all three things that I must know. But now he says, I am, I am that I am. And so he's going to reveal what this is. Later on in Exodus, he says, I am jealous. Later on, he says, I am Jehovah Nisi. Later on, he says, I'm Jehovah Rapha. Later on, he says, I am Baal Perazim, the God of the breakthrough. Later on, he says, my name is Yeshua. Later on, he says, I am the faithful one. I am the witness. I am the lion of the... You see, these are all revealing a characteristic of God. It's just one portion, and each one shows a little bit more of who he is. It's an unveiling of God. It's an unveiling of the Christ. It's an unveiling, but he embodies that name totally, but it's yet it's a fraction of who he is. You understanding? It's different than our names, right? When we say this is a podium, it's a podium. It is not a table. We name things so that we're not confused, but God is not one of confusion, and he's not multiple gods. He is one God, but you cannot name him. He is the only God, but you cannot put him in a box. There is only one true God. He is not multiple gods, but he is a God that we can't name, but he yet has revealed himself, and we know him in a part of his name. And then he says in the book at the end, I will give you my new name. There is more names of God to come, and I will put on your forehead my new name. Who said that? Jesus said that. More and more of him will be unveiled and be revealed to his people, to his children. And his name is ever increasing and we will know more of him. Yes. All right. Here we go. He does say, I am building basically on my name. I am has sent me to you. I'm in verse 14. And then 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, 
the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus to be remembered throughout all generations. Which name? The new one, Yahweh. And I don't even say that with enough reverence, but that's the one. Verse 16, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise, I what? I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Go to chapter 4, verse 1. Just kind of skim down. Exodus 4, verse 1. What is Moses worried about? Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And whenever God undoes something new and he asks us to rise to the occasion, the thing that quelches it is unbelief. And he is afraid that they won't believe. When God asks us to rise to the occasion, this is a new occasion. This is a day of deliverance that is being proclaimed and prophesied to the Hebrews in Egypt that are in slavery. And the fear on the man of God is when I tell them this, what if they don't believe? What if they don't rise to the occasion and believe? That is the fear on all of the ministers of God, <laughs> on all the fivefold ministers, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. What if I give the gospel and they do not believe? Rise to the occasion with faith that they will is the, is the call and is the heartbeat of those that serve the Lord. Go to Isaiah 52. <clears throat> Isaiah 52. We're going to go near the end here. Isaiah 52. This is actually... If you put it in your Bible, this last three verses of 52 should be with 53. Um, they go together, but hey. All right, 52, 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which, has, that which they have not heard they understand. Who are we talking about here? Jesus. We recognize this, right? He shall be high and lifted up. He shall be exalted. He was raised on a cross on a mountain, called Golgotha or Galvary. And when they saw him, they were astonished at his purity, so marred beyond human semblance. He did not even look like a man. This is that verse that talks about this. But yet, in verse 15, he shall sprinkle many nations with his blood. And kings that have no understanding of the Bible shall look upon him and say, wow, surely 
this is the Son of God. And we read that. We've read that in the Gospels. And Matthew, the Romans, looked and said, wow. And since that day, many men have come into the understanding of who Jesus is, even though they might not have looked for him as the Messiah, is what this verse is talking about. But then go to 53.1. Right? Let's read 50. Just You're right there. 50, the end of 52 into 51. So shall Jesus sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Yet who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? There it is. The same thing. The gospel has been preached. The gospel is here. And the question comes, will you rise to the occasion and believe? Yet who has believed what he has heard from us? Who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? It's not often the person that you're praying for, right? When we went to Denmark, I remember there was a translator there. And uh, Brandy was preaching the gospel, right? And she's preaching it for the Danish people. And this guy is like, I'm just the translator. I don't care. But I don't believe anything about God. But he had more questions every time we pre every session because he's like, I've not been here to seek this out. <laughs> but you have piqued my interest in the gospel of Jesus. Who was the message for us? For the Danes. But yet this man <laughs> is the one hearing it. Sometimes it works like that. You're praying for somebody and you get the one next to them. But you keep praying for the one. But it works like that sometimes. Who has believed what he has heard from us? It's like you're preaching, you're preaching, you're preaching to the one, and then it's like this one hears it. Why is that? Because of faith and believing and the time and the hour of their salvation. Yeah? Do you see it? Rising to the occasion, the first part is, I believe. The Lord wants to show us unbelievable things. The Lord wants to show us unbelievable things. The Lord wants to show us unbelievable things. But the unbelievable things will not happen unless you believe they can happen. That. Think about that. God wants to show you unbelievable things that he wants to do. But he cannot do them unless you believe that they can be done. <laughs> what? Yeah, that means you got to step out and say this impossible thing can be done. This impossible thing can be done. This occasion, this unbelievable thing, I'm going to believe it can happen. I'm going to believe it can happen. Yeah? He calls us to be believers. He calls us to be believers. The followers of Jesus believe. He doesn't call us to be healers. He doesn't. He says, I'm the healer. But he does call me to be a believer. To believe that he can heal and will heal, and is faithful to heal them all. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You guys are silent tonight. I have no idea what's going on. It's not even night. 
I can't believe this should not be coming out of a Christian's mouth. I can't believe this should not be coming out of our mouths. We have to look for that. We have to watch for that. This is unbelievable. I can't, oh wait. I can believe this. I can believe this. I can believe this. I do believe this. I am believe. Then you see how the faith has risen there. I can believe this. I do believe this. And I am a believer. This is rising to the occasion. When the occasion comes forth, you are prepared for it. We talked about in the conference that Jesus, right, was up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. What was he doing? He was being transformed into glory. And they were, you know, stunned. The three of them go, what is going on? This is unbelievable. But yet one of them always came back and said, Peter, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you have the words of life. And he was the one of the three that got to see that happen. They come down off of the mountain and Jesus says, don't say this to anybody until I've gone up to heaven. And what does he come down to? He comes down to a mess. Because the rest of the disciples, the other nine, have been praying for a father who has a son who's an epileptic that keeps throwing himself and convulsing and seizures. And they've been praying and praying to cast the demon out, but the demon will not come out. And the father is like, well, if you can't help him, then I am at my last resort. And Jesus comes down and says, okay, what's going on? This is right out. This is the walk <laughs> of, the, of the leaders in the house. You can be in glory, and the next second you're having to deal with the peoples. This is the life. And if you understand that as a parent, right, it can be the best dream you've ever had. And somebody is waking up crying. That is why God gives us children. To know what it means to be the laborer in his house. You can have the best rest, the best day. I've been with Jesus and somebody is waking me up crying. That. There's Jesus. He walks down and he goes, How long will I have to deal with you of little faith? Yes? And then he delivers. Father is exuberant. Yes, you know the story? And then they come, the nine, they come to him, and they're like, why couldn't we do this? We have cast out demons before. We have healed the sick before. This, we have the faith for this. Why did it not happen? And what did Jesus say? This only can be done with prayer and fasting. But Jesus was not on the mountain praying and fasting. When did he pray and fast? He'd been praying and fasting for months before that day. He'd been getting prepared for the occasion. He'd been getting prepared for the moment. What you're doing today will prepare you for those moments to step into it with faith. Do you see that? You have to, what you're doing today is preparing you for those moments. Because in those moments when you have to dig into the well, God's like, where have you been the last three months? 
so why are we digging the well? Why are we fasting? Why are we praying? It's because God's like, you're going to have moments coming, and I need you ready for that moment with your faith. The faith that you had three months ago, and you have shown me every day for these last three months, here's your time. Now. And God let Jesus take that moment. Seize it with faith. That, that is what it looks like. Yeah? Let's go to John 12. Speaking of Jesus. The Lord wants to show us unbelievable things. But for them to be done, you must believe. (laughs) John 12. Let's go to verse 27. This is Jesus, and we're going to read. All right, you ready? Let's read John 12, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. Now my soul is troubled. There is this burden that comes with, will they believe me? Will they believe what I'm saying to them? Will they believe the gospel? My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came down from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. That is unbelievable. If you are not a Christian and you're reading this, you would think, wow, the Christians added that in there just to show that God's just almighty and just speaks whenever he wants to around Jesus. That is definitely, if you are not a Christian, how you would read this verse. Like, what? God spoke from heaven in the middle of Jesus' sentence? You just added that, Christians, to show how awesome God is. That is unbelievable. And it was unbelievable to them. It was unbelievable to the crowd. A voice came down from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered, but they didn't know what it said. Others said, an angel must have spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake. This is the occasion. The voice from heaven has come for your sake. Do you believe it was the Lord's voice? Or can you justify it as, oh, that was just thunder? Or... I don't know what that was. It must have been his disciples doing something in the background. The wind was blowing really strong that day. Might have been those Romans down the road. You can justify it or you can believe. Yeah? Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. We read that verse in Isaiah. And he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. 
while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Keep going. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Read this. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, for, but for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So Jesus goes and hides himself from them because of their unbelief. Of Their occasion is here for faith. The occasion is here for a harvest. The occasion is here for a great outpouring of the Spirit. But in that occasion, they could not believe. And John recognizes it and says, this is the fulfillment of what Isaiah was talking about in 53.1. And that, Lord, who has heard a report and believed us? And then he remembers another prophecy and that God lets their eyes be blinded and God lets their heart be hardened so that they will not receive him as Messiah and the gospel can go to the Gentiles. But then look at what he says about Isaiah. It's so interesting. John, the apostle, says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Or he saw what was to come and he believed. <laughs> He's like, Isaiah saw what was going to come, who was going to come, how he was going to come. And he believed that that was glorious. A man without semblance, marred, lifted up, but yet he will sprinkle and save many nations. He's like this servant who has been beaten for our sins, who has been bruised for our iniquities. He saw it and didn't think, God, that cannot be the Savior of the Israelites. That cannot be the Savior of my people. He said, no, I believe that's the glory that's coming and is going to save us. Isaiah, many, 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 many generations before. And John recognizes and honors the prophet's belief. You see it? He said it publicly. And then he contrasts it with those who, oh, I believe in Jesus. But I'm not going to pay the public price. He contrasts it with Isaiah who spoke unbelievable things about a coming Messiah. And believed that it would be so. And contrasts it with, in the days of the Messiah, there were many who believed he was, but would not publicly say it. Because the glory of man was better than the glory of God. Wow. Rising to the occasion, sometimes looking like publicly saying what you believe. Not just keeping it in heart or in mind, but I publicly say, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. 
Because there's the chicken line when you have to say it outside of these walls. Yes? What are the things that God wants to show us? Go to 1 Corinthians. To, uh, I, I can read it to you. You probably know it. But 1 Corinthians 2.9, right? What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, but God has prepared for those who love him. This is what I want you to understand, is that the people were looking for the signs and wonders, and we are praying for the signs and wonders, but usually the most unbelievable thing that you hear is how God reveals himself. They were offended by who Jesus said he was. Who is this son of man? Isn't this Jesus of Nazareth? How dare you tell us to eat your flesh and drink your blood? These are the things that offended them. And even the disciples themselves had to face that question of, you're not just my friend anymore. You are my God. You're not just my rabbi anymore. You are the spiritual father. And you have to come to that place of, wait a minute, the occasion has changed. You are now no longer just the rabbi and the prophet that we've been following for the last so many months. You are now saying you are the son of God and have no earthly father. And I have to eat your flesh and drink your blood. And your relationship has now changed as a follower of Christ to a disciple of the Messiah, the son of God. And they had to deal with that. And they had to rise to the occasion and believe that what Jesus is saying is true about himself. That is what usually gets... It's not about when we see this, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart a man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. God is like, I want to be known by my family. I want to unveil my heart. I want to unveil my name. I want you to know me. I don't want you to just know what I do. I don't want you to just know how I do it. I don't want you to always just know my signs and my wonders and my power. I want you to know me. And where the church get offended is when he reveals a new, a new realm of who he is and those names that we're talking about. Jesus is a lamb to be slaughtered? No, Jesus. Jesus is a servant that worships the feet of all? No, Jesus. You're not. Who said that? Peter. No, Lord, you don't do this. This is not what God does. This. His mothers and his brothers knock on the door and say, come out. And he goes, who are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters? I have none except for those who do the words of the Lord. What are you saying, Jesus? Rising to the occasion in faith that whatever the Lord says who he is, you believe. That's what Moses had to deal with. When I go to them, who should I introduce you as? Yahweh. They didn't even know how to rise to faith in that because they didn't know who he was. But yet in Zechariah, it says that when the Antichrist is ravaging them, they will turn from the fear of the Antichrist to the most fearsome name that they know, the name of Yahweh. The fear of the Antichrist, they will go, there is one aspect of God that we have encountered that is more fierce than you. Yeah. 
And it is the name Yahweh. And it says in Zechariah that they will turn and cry out, Yahweh, save us. And when that happens, God's like, ah, now I got you. Now you have my heart because you have finally taken it as this is mine. Yahweh is my God. Yahweh is who he is. And the Jews finally say, he is mine. And they won't reject that name, Yahweh, anymore, but it will be, you are my God and we are your people, Yahweh. What he always wanted on the mountain happens on the mountain in Jerusalem. This is a revelation and it's prophetic, but that name has not ever been fully revealed by the Jews. And when the Jews get the revelation, then the world will receive their Messiah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. You can read it in Zechariah. It just says the name of the Lord. So you have to read it in the Hebrew, but that's the name of the Lord. The main revelation is not the signs and wonders. God wants to reveal himself. He wants to reveal another revelation of him, another revelation of his heart, another revelation of his character, another revelation of his names. He's like a husband who wants to be known to the depths of his heart and the depths of his character by his wife. In the same way, so does God want to be understood by his children. And so when we rise to the occasion, it's believing that, God, this is who you are? I believe this is who you are. A revelation of him is the depths of it, not a revelation of what he does. The revelation of him is the depths of it. You are the lamb. You are the lion. You are the healer. You are the lover of my soul. You are the friend closer than a brother. You are the husband of your people. You are the king seated in righteousness. You are the servant of all who came and suffered for me. In those places in our hearts where we've said, no, Lord, I, it's hard for me to grasp that about you. No, Lord, I don't know if I can really know you as my husband because, you know, I'm a guy. And he goes, no, 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 no. Don't shake your head, no. Rise to the occasion and believe me. Rise to the occasion and believe me. You have to do what the disciples did, where I might not understand fully what's happening here. I might not have the full revelation, but I believe that you're speaking the truth. And I'm going to follow in belief of that. Yeah? Go to John 14 here. God wants to be understood by his children. He wants us to believe. John 14. John 14. What does John 14 at the beginning say? Verse 1. Hmm. Very interesting. John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be confused. Do not be anxious. Do not be trying to figure this out. If you've read 13, it can be overwhelming. And he's like, don't, don't be in confusion. Don't be troubled. Don't be nervous. Don't be anxious. Believe in God. Don't always try to figure it out. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Go to verse 5. Jump. Verse 5. 
So Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. You're still trying to figure it out, right? How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I, I am the way. When we are looking for the way, when we are looking for which way should I walk, the first revelation that God wants us to have is Jesus is the way. <laughs> Do you hear it? I got to wrestle with that. I have to believe this. I have to rise to the occasion and say, I believe you are the way. You're the way out of this. You're the way through this. You are the way. You are it. What else does he say? I am the truth, and I am the life. He's revealing another aspect of his name, of his characteristic, of his heart, of believing. If you had known me, verse 7, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do not know, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. <laughs> you do know him. Verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, here's, here's one of those crux moments with the disciples where it's like, okay, do you realize what you're saying, Jesus? And you want us to believe you. Here's a crux moment here. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? Do you not believe? Wow. You see the occasion. What is Jesus saying? This is why you cannot say that God is separate from Jesus and Jesus is separate from God. There's another verse where he says, where the Father is, I am there right now. I'm there also. So Jesus is 100% God, but yet he empties himself, it says in Philippians, to serve as 100% man. It does not make sense. They're in the same being. They're in the same person. They're in the same flesh. 100%, 100%. I don't understand. Believe. Do not be troubled. Believe. Believe. But here's the crux moment. He's been walking with them this whole time. They're like, oh, you're the son of God. You're the son of God. You're the son of God. I get it. I get it. I get it. And he's like, no, I'm not just the son of God. I am God. <laughs> That's what Philip's saying. Jesus, show us God. Show us God. Show us God. And he's like, Philip, I've been with you the whole time. And you don't know me? If you've seen me, you've seen God. Do you realize what they had to rise up to in that moment to believe about Jesus, who they've been walking with, some say for three years? And yeah, Thomas is there. The, the, he had to believe too. <laughs> you with me? When you rise to the occasion, the first step is, I believe in this occasion, you are God. 
You are my way. You are my life. You are my life abundantly. You are my shepherd. You are my discipliner. You are the truth. These things are the revelation of the occasion that he's going to put you through so that when that moment comes, when it needs to be public, you're there. You're there. Yes? Verse 11 says, or we haven't finished 10, sorry. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me. Believe me. Can you hear him? Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then he's like, fine, I'll go to logic. Or else believe on the account of the signs themselves, the works themselves. Amen? Let's end there. And let's stand up. We have a baptism um, right after this. <laughs> so we will shuffle just into wherever they have it set up. It might be in the foyer. It might be outside. But we are baptizing Chris today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we are going to celebrate with him and cheer and bless God. Amen. So, Father, we are going to rise to your occasion in faith to believe about what you want to reveal about yourself. What scares us, where we come afraid, is when you reveal yourself. God, you shake flesh. <laughs> you burn flesh. You are a rock that says if we don't fall on you, then the rock will fall on us. Holy Ghost, remove the ungodly fear and give us the fear of the Lord to believe, to be like a child who says, that is who you are. This is who you are. And you are in me, and I am in you. I ask God for faith to arise. I ask God for faith to arise. The simple faith, the simple faith of believing you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. So just scooch on out over here. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.